Welcome in, everybody, to the Horror's Edge podcast. My name is Phil. And I'm Stacy. And uh, today we are going to be reviewing, breaking down, and discussing 2022's newest release, Halloween Ends. This is a movie that I've been looking forward to for a few years now. Um, and kind of the driving idea behind us even starting a podcast. We knew that this movie was coming out, so we kind of wanted to um, review all the mo- movies before this one came out. And it uh, gave us a lot of time together, a lot of time discussing horror movies, most importantly this franchise. Um, and we ended up making the cut. In the past 12 days, we reviewed all now 13 Halloween movies, which Ooh, I think is 13. pretty impressive. Yep. So we will see if this really is the end and if they ended at that lucky number. Um, so this movie is something that... I'm trying to think of the right way to put it. The last one came out one year ago. And when you know before the last movie that this is going to be a trilogy and they only give them one year to work on the movies in between, you're starting to think to yourself, are they rushing this? Does it feel rushed? Um, And there's so much hype around it. This is a very, very big franchise, and they are claiming this is it. This this is the final battle between Laurie and Michael, which is something that people have been waiting for since the 78 movie well over 40 years ago. Yeah, the buildup of this... Lori versus Myers. I mean, it couldn't get any better than that. Yep. Let's see this. And it was everywhere. Correct. Everywhere. I was in New York City with my son about a week ago, and they had billboards up on the walls in Times Square that took up probably 15, 20 stories for yeah. just one billboard, not to mention they had the ads going on at Times Square. This thing was everywhere. Yeah, the hype around this was phenomenal. They had it everywhere people were talking about it i mean i was looking forward to this even before we started this podcast but once we started reviewing the movies i was like i'm so amped up let's go let's see how this ends yeah and that type of uh push can be very detrimental to a movie because it's creating unrealistic expectations for a movie if this was not a 10 for 10 Fans would be clamoring, what the fuck, you had this, it was in your hands, I was waiting for this yeah. movie, why did you drop the ball? Even if it's a great movie, that will be people's uh, results from it, that they'll be super pissed about it. And even with all that hype and anxiety about what this is going to be as a movie, I went in with a completely open mind. I knew that they're going to take this movie and however they lay it out, that's it. See, I tried to go in with an open mind, but I think that uh, despite trying to, I don't know if I could. Uh, well, there was cer- there, there was so much hype. I, I mean, even two days before it came out, somebody was posting on Facebook. Uh, I think that I'm just going to watch this movie on Peacock. I read some spoilers on it, and I don't think it's going to be very good. And I commented on it. Hey, I avoided every single spoiler to this. I actually never even saw a trailer for it yet. Every time that it came on, I would change the channel or I would go in the other room or something along those lines. I avoided everything about this film. Yes. I mean, it's impossible to not see the billboards of Laurie and Michael standing shoulder to shoulder. Um, I I avoided everything. And I, I responded to that Facebook post saying... 
there's no way that they're going to drop the ball on this one. It, it's handed in their lap. Yeah. Uh, even if it's a mediocre movie, just the fact of what it is is going to propel it to be even better. Right. Um, and this movie's got to nail it out of the park. I mean, I went in with an open mind, but I also know what a Halloween movie should be and what key things should be there. And... You know, I don't want to spoil anything before we kind of get into it. Let's jump right into it. Uh, The way that we review uh, movies on this channel is going to be 1 through 10. 1 is dog shit terrible. Don't waste your time on it. It's not worth it. 5 being this is an average movie. You can put it on and it's not going to offend you and it's not going to be uh, getting any awards. 10 is this is groundbreaking stuff. (laughs) Uh, Lori versus Michael. Hell yeah. The franchise is over, but man, did it ever go out with a bang. Where did you rate this? I really struggled with this, but there was goods and there was bads. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it a three, but I feel like it should be lower. Okay. Explain it. Do you want the good or the bad? Start with uh, the good and then what dragged it down so low. Okay. So the kills overall, the visual of them, the sounds of them, the creativeness of it. Loved it. Graphics, great. All the actors, in my mind, played their parts super well. Maybe they didn't get in as much screen time, but they played the um, parts well. The scenes were set up great. The camera angles were great. This is where it falls apart. (laughs) The plot. The story. The I really struggled with this story. Don't get specific with it yet, because we are in spoiler-free. Yes. I'm not saying any spoilers. I'm just saying the story throughout, weaved in, completely terrible. It did not feel like a Halloween movie. We've talked about how this is so easy. It's cut and paste, cut and paste, copy, repeat, rinse. Literally, they didn't do that. Yeah. How do you screw that up? Yeah, it doesn't feel like a Halloween movie. Not At all. Well, the, the last five minutes or so. Yeah. But how do you make a movie and five minutes before it's done, you're like, all right, we better sneak this in. <laughs> yeah. What did you rate it? I really struggled with this. So uh, if you guys look at our channel, you'll notice that we gave like a quick uh, three-minute uh, walk out of the theater initial thoughts and <laughs> – Inside of it, I, I pretty much shit on this movie. I, I ended that with fuck this movie. Because, yeah, don't go to the theaters. Yeah, don't go to the theaters. Don't waste your money. If you really want to see it, see it on Peacock. But we watched it a second time today. And this is one of those movies that after I saw it yesterday, I thought about it all night. I did too. I thought about it all day today. Me too. I was really looking forward to a rewatch to see was that as bad as I thought. Or was it uh, a victim of hype versus movie? I thought about it thinking maybe with this rewatch, I missed a bunch of stuff and it was all going to add up. So yesterday, if you told me one through ten, I would probably give it a two, maybe a three. Today, I I wanted to give it a five, but I couldn't quite get there. So I put it at four. Four, but I wrote down four and a half, even though we don't do halves, <laughs> because it's better than four. That this, this is an average movie to me. But the plot, certain points, 
mainly the fact that it's in this trilogy. If it wasn't in this trilogy, it would probably be a six, maybe a seven. But the I fact would... that it's in this trilogy yes. and it is such a out and left field end to the trilogy, like completely ignores everything that one and two is driving to, yes. uh, really hurt it for me. If it was a standalone Halloween movie, if this may be a seven, maybe an eight. Uh, that may be pushing it for, but I, I had real Halloween three vibes in this movie as I was watching it. Yeah. Uh, because Michael is not the center of attention in this movie. Lori is spoiler. not not even a spoiler. Um, he's not. Uh, I'm not saying what is the center of attention. Michael's definitely in it. He's definitely in here. This is definitely a Halloween movie, so it's not Halloween three where you, there's no Michael Myers. Yes, you have the classic characters to make the movie yeah and they're there yeah allison is probably the forefront of this movie kind of she i would say she's the co uh headliner in this movie not even with laurie not even with michael but with this new guy Corey. those two are the central people to this movie period they take up 90 percent of the runtime of this movie I think when we're done diving in, I have some theories of this, but until we dive in, I'm going to keep it spoiler free. But I have some thoughts of kind of maybe what they were trying to do. I could be completely wrong, but I just have my theories. I have plenty of them as well. And like I said, if it wasn't in this trilogy, it would be much higher. It by no means would be a 10, even if it wasn't part of this trilogy. There are some plot choices that they make (laughs) that are completely unforgivable, no matter what franchise it's in, and just laughable bad. Like, we looked at each other in theaters and we're like, are you fucking kidding me? Several several times. Several times I said, is this a joke? Specifically one. Specifically, yes. one moment I was just like, "This is the biggest slap in the face to yes. this fucking franchise that they could possibly do." Yeah, but I thought. Let's, let's get into spoilers because I do want to discuss some of the yes. stuff, and I feel like if we keep dwelling on it, we're going to start spoiling things. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> if you have not seen this movie yet, it is in theaters and it is streaming on Peacock. Um, so the second time that I watched it, I realized that despite them. Uh, Despite me saying yesterday, hey, see this on Peacock, the sounds sounded so much better in the theater than when we watched them today on Peacock. Maybe our sound system, that's not great. Yeah, we did go to the IMAX, which I think brought a a cool visual of the movie because it's like bigger and, you Mm. know, um, so I don't I get what you're saying, but I think also just the atmosphere of the IMAX kind of brought that. Too. I don't think so because if anything, it brought a sense of depression. We were two of six people in the entire theater. Yeah, it was very... on opening night, yeah. the first showing. Yeah, the first showing. They they actually... at IMAX. There were six people, and two of them were the workers. <laughs> well, that was eight with the workers. Oh, okay. They, the, the workers came in about ten minutes into the movie to sit down and laugh along with us. Yes, but like there were moments in this movie that I said, "Are you fucking serious?" And somebody three lane, three rows behind me heard me and just chuckled. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, the atmosphere brought this movie down, if anything. But <laughs> the sounds in a theater are so much better than if yes. you do not have a professional setup in your house. There are sounds that it, while I was watching it on Peacock, it sounded like shit. Yeah, you Specifically might miss- kills. Specifically the kills. It sounded terrible. Yeah, we had to watch it with 
the closed captioning also to get some of the dialogue because I missed some of that in the theaters because of the sound. Well, I've been putting closed captioning on to help me with names. Sometimes they put the names in there. They don't do it for all of them, but the bigger characters and some of them I didn't know their name even with IMDb open. But either way. Um, so a little bit of trivia with this movie. There's really not much because the movie's so new. Usually IMDb doesn't update their trivia with any truly interesting facts until after all the spoilers are out there, people get to see the movie for themselves because they don't want to ruin it. Yeah, it makes but sense. We got uh director David Gordon Green confirmed in an interview for Halloween Kills that Halloween ends will be a four year time gap between the two films, which it most certainly is. This film takes place in twenty twenty two, whereas the previous two films were both twenty eighteen. So there's a four year gap there. Uh, on July 26, 2019, it was confirmed that Nick Castle will return for both sequels and some scenes as Michael Myers with James uh, Jude Courtney, again, playing as Myers for the majority of the film. He also, Nick Castle, who was the original Michael Myers, does have a cameo in this movie as well, which was pretty neat. I had to look up which one he was, but we'll go over that as we go through the film. In the trailer for the film, Laurie is seen wearing the same exact clothes as she wore in the original Halloween film. Um, now this is confirmed after we saw the movie. She is wearing the clothes in the film as well. They've done it before to wear in promotional material. They'll make Lori either wear something, do something like H2O where, uh, they had her with long hair, but she never had long hair or no, it was resurrection. She had short hair, but she never had short hair in that movie. Yeah. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis said, this is the last time she will play Lori Strode. However... She also said that in 1981 with Halloween 2. She also said that with Halloween Resurrection in 2002 when her character was fucking killed in the series. Yet, here we are. Mm -hmm. There are always loopholes and ways to find a way to continue a franchise. So while I'm not saying what the end of this is just yet, there are ways to still bring it back. And it... Uh, that's all for right now. We'll get into more with that later. In July 2019, the titles and release dates of the two, single, uh, two sequels were announced. Halloween Kills released on October 16th, 2020. Halloween Ends to be released October 15th, 2021. However, due to the pandemic, both films got delayed by one year. So this movie was supposed to be out last year, but ended up getting released this year due to uh, uh, COVID. And this is the coolest one that I saw, and I obviously read this after we saw the movie, but I made this connection on my own. Halloween 2018 was released 40 uh, 40 years after Halloween 1978. Halloween Kills 2021 was released 40 years after Halloween 2. Halloween Ends is set to be released 40 years after Halloween 3 Seasons of the Witch 1982. Now, another connection that's not in here, but I made the font of the Halloween logos during the title card. Halloween uh, 1978 matches the font in Halloween 2018. Mm. Halloween Kills matches the font in Halloween 2. This new one, Halloween Ends, matches the font in Halloween 3, Seasons of the Witch. It has the blue, kind of shaky feel to it. That's what it had in Seasons of the Witch as well, which I thought was pretty damn cool. So... Once again, we are getting full spoilery right now. We're going to do a scene-by-scene breakdown as well as some of our thoughts about it. Uh, the runtime for this movie is one hour and 50 minutes with a budget of $20 million. And the IMDb uh, 
Story is the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode comes to a spine-chilling climax in this final installment of the trilogy. And now that we're in spoiler section, I can add in for five minutes of the hour and 50-minute movie. Yes. <laughs> so the budget for this movie was $20 million, and I have a very strong feeling they're going to make that in the first weekend, mainly because of how much they spent in advertisements alone. You can tell... The budget's higher in this one as well because everything's shot better. Uh, the sets are incredible. It's not filmed in California. I believe it was filmed in Georgia. So that way it actually had like a small um, vibe and seasons. You can feel like this feels more fall yeah. than the previous movies. But the movie starts with the radio playing. It's Haddonfield's Rock Station. We get this rock station several, several times throughout the movie. It... Feels really neat. Feels like it's going somewhere, and then it really it it doesn't. It falls flat. It doesn't go anywhere. But we got the radio station. It's the DJ. He's talking about uh, Haddonfield and Michael Myers and stuff like that. And then we get the uh, thing telling us it's Haddonfield, Illinois, Halloween night, twenty nineteen. So this is one year after um, Michael Myers' killing spree. So this new guy named Corey arrives into this beautiful mansion uh, and seems to be very close to the husband and wife or the kid that he's babysitting. Uh, he mows their lawn for him. You can tell he's done this several times. The mom's talking to him about why he's even doing it. Aren't you going to college? And he's like, well, I'm saving up this year so I can go to engineering school. Yeah. So smart kid doing anything that he can to get a buck, saving up instead of taking out student loans. And it's just shown this massive staircase as the mom's trying to call for Jeremy, the son. And Jeremy jumps out behind her and scares mom. And mom's talking to Corey in another room. She's like, hey, I need to talk to you in private. So she's talking to him and said, since uh, all the Michael Myers stuff last year, Jeremy gets nightmares all the time. He's wetting the bed. He's having a whole bunch of problems. And Corey's just... It's probably just normal kid things. I mean, obviously what happened is very tragic. So he's being very cool about this. And mom's like, yeah, it may be normal kid stuff, but tell you what, no TV, no more candy. He's in bed by 830. Yeah. So they leave. She gives them the number and Corey's like, oh, no worries. It's Halloween. We're going to have a good time tonight. And as soon as they leave, they're now watching John Carpenter's The Thing and eating a bunch of junk food, which I thought was pretty funny. That's and, typical babysitter behavior. Yeah, and you can tell that it's clearly past what time they said. I, yeah. I, I think that I caught a clock somewhere saying that it was 9.30 or something like that, an hour after he was supposed to go to bed, but it was blurred out and in the background, I couldn't really tell. So he's doing the three things that she said not to, which was pretty funny. And the kid's telling him, uh, Corey's saying, hey, you sure you want to be watching this? This is scary. And the kid's like, no, nah, you're going to be scared. Corey's like, I'm not going to be scared. I'm 21. I don't get scared. So th this kid is trying to be the new Julian, the kid from Halloween 2018, and he's throwing all these jokes. None of the jokes really hit to me. The, the no. kid doesn't have a good vibe with Corey. It, it doesn't feel like they have the same connection that Julian and the babysitter no. had. I but said they're he was trying. A jerk. <laughs> yeah, he is a jerk. But they're trying to make it seem like he has those same type yeah. of vibes. Like he's a jokester. They're playing with each other. Yeah. Uh, so Corey goes into the other room to grab some banana bread. And as he's doing that, the movie's focusing on the knife. Uh, he opens up the fridge. 
grabs a beer, and he makes the right decision, puts the beer back, gets the chocolate milk, ends up having some milk and a piece of bread. Yeah. Uh, This movie is very big on focusing on things that are going to be important later. I know that a lot of horror movies do that, but this one does it a whole lot. Yeah. And it does it to a point where it's very obvious, and sometimes it does try and throw you off, but sometimes it's just like, come on. Yeah. You're, you're spoiling things for me. I don't want to know. Yes, I see that it's there. You don't need to highlight it. Right. I'd prefer it to be in the background and be like, oh, shit, that was there from there before. Yeah. But whatever. So uh, Corey hears a bang in the other room, and the light's on the ground. Jeremy's gone, and the door is open. So Corey's obviously visibly shook. He runs back to the kitchen. The knife is gone. So Jeremy is upstairs screaming, and... The knife is on the steps. Corey makes it up to the top floor. He's holding the knife at this point. Everything's all dark and spooky. He enters this room, which leads up to presumably the attic, and the door slams shut on him. And it was just Jeremy teasing him. He's just fucking around with him like he did with his mom at the beginning of the movie where he jumped out and scared her. And he's just scaring the shit out of him like, oh, Boogeyman's coming to get you. Michael Myers is in there. I saw him. He's going to get you. Boogeyman's going to get you. At this point, uh, Corey is freaking the fuck out. He's visibly scared to shit. And rightfully so with the things that happened one year prior. Right. Um, And Michael Myers was never caught. Correct. They have no idea what happened to him. Right. Um, so the parents come into the house, um, they open the front door and Corey's still stuck in the room and he doesn't know that the parents came in at this point, but he's still freaking out. He's like, uh, Jeremy, open the fucking door, man. I'm going to kill you. And he kicks the door one more time and it kicks the door open and it knocks Jeremy off of the balcony, falling four fours and snapping his fucking neck right in front of his parents. I gasped so loud when that happened. Yeah. It was a very much a scene like a movie that me and you saw recently. I don't want to say what movie it was because we will be reviewing it on this channel, but it was one of those holy shit moments. I literally said, holy shit. Like, that's how it starts. Like, I was so shocked. Yep. And then the mom screams, what have you done? What have you done? And then very much like the 2018 movie, kick into a title card. Yeah. Such an awesome opening to a Halloween movie. It worked so well. Yeah. I was so excited when that scene happened. I was like, all right, great. Like I was so amped up. I couldn't believe it was, um, you know, the way that they did it, the acting, the sound, it was great. Yep. Worked really well. Everything about it worked. And yes. From here, once the title card is over, which title card's pretty neat, Halloween music, bunch of pumpkins, pumpkins are coming in and out of each other, uh, blue font, I even wrote in here Halloween music, uh, the blue font is matching Halloween 3's font, which I love Halloween 3. I know that I said it on this podcast many times, I was hoping that this movie would be like Halloween 3, and I guess I got what I want. So the movie <laughs> kicks off with Laurie Strode giving a brief narration. So she's talking about uh, what happened to her basically. So from 78 up till previously, it's showing flashes of the previous movies of Myers attacking her. And the narration is actually Laurie writing her book. And in it, she's mentioning how Michael Myers vanished four years ago after the massacre. Nobody knows what happened to him, but the people of Haddonfield descended into a plague of grief and blame and paranoia. And it's showing all the craziness that basically happened throughout the town, including a 
the parent who hung herself. And I believe that is the mom for Oscar, the kid from the first movie that got thrown through the spike. That makes sense. Because she's the one who saw her and saw him in the ER in the last movie. Yes. So I'm not sure. I got to look at the picture of her face again, but I believe that's who that is, is Oscar's mom. That would make sense. Um, but it shows a scene of Oscar, get, not Oscar, um, the hell's the name of this dude? Corey. Corey getting thrown into the police yeah. car. And so this town is taking the grief of Michael Myers. And since nobody could find him, they're placing the blame elsewhere. It's a neat concept. Yeah. A very cool concept of how this is happening. This town is broken. It feels believable. Yeah, everything about this story so far is really good. Yeah. Um, so from here. Um, I caught on that she kept saying that it's an infection in this town. Yeah. And like that, that word and everything kind of pops up. Through. Infection. I didn't catch that the first time that we watched it, but the second time uh, I definitely caught quite a it. Bit. Yeah. And it, it, there is a theme going on with infection in this movie basically evil infects now i loved that laurie was kind of giving a brief description and a history i just thought that it went a little long i never like when movies use narration to explain gaps in time and that's exactly what this movie did is he used narration to fill the holes instead of giving a story to fill the holes and their excuse of this is Laurie narrating a book. It works well for this movie. I'm just not a big fan of yeah. them data dumping to us to tell us how yep. uh, it is. But it is what it is. Um, so Laurie, <laughs> she's basically taken on the parent figure for Allison at this point because both of her parents are dead. Um, and it's a funny way to introduce a pie is burning and she's freaking the fuck out. She's running downstairs. She's like, oh, fuck, shit, shit, shit. <laughs> and uh, she's making the pie because it's a Halloween tradition. And since your mom's not around, I, I need to make it feel like Halloween for yeah. us. So Ma- uh, Lori is doing such a fun type of parent type figure in this movie. The character is very good. Yeah. And uh, Mama, she's trying to... So Lori's trying to get her to go to a Halloween party. Uh, Allison mentions that there's a Halloween party and she doesn't want to go alone. So she's not going to go. So at this point, we're introduced to Corey again. He's riding his bike. Uh, Once again, the radio is playing in the background. He doesn't even have a radio on his bike. I know, it didn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Movies do that a lot for cars, but he's on his bike without a radio. And we have the radio playing in the background. Yeah. with uh, the DJ talking about the boogeyman. Doesn't work for me. <laughs> uh, I said he keeps talking about how scary Michael Myers is and he's not a man. He's been shot, stabbed, beat, and he still lives. And I was like, but yet they still screw the story up. Mm-hmm. So uh, Corey's riding his bike to work. He works at the junkyard and he's late yet again. This movie is big into showing objects that will be involved future with kills and they do it again here yeah. uh they show off the uh basically the metal scrapper that they have they they have workers throwing metal in there and it's turning the metal into nothing yeah so uh 
I, I'm not quite sure who Ronald is to him, whether he's dating his mom or whether he's his stepfather. It doesn't really say. I know that it's not his father because yeah. they don't have that dynamic going between the two. But no. Ronald is there and he gives uh, Corey a motorcycle because he's always late. And it, that's the excuse that he gives really he's doing it because he truly cares. Yeah. He knows that Corey's gone through a lot of shit and wants to help him out. So from here, it flashes over to Allison, who's getting pulled over by a cop, who ends up being this guy named Doug, and he only pulled her over so that way he could hit on her some more. They they had some type of previous relationship, which, fucking weird, because yeah. at this point, Allison's probably 21, maybe 22, because she was a teenager in the last one. This he is four years old. later, and he probably looks like he's in his upper 30s, low 40s. Yeah, it was kind of a weird... So maybe Dynamic. after the last one, Allison was just kind of completely broken and tried getting a daddy figure in her life. I don't understand what happened yeah. there, but she felt she looked visibly disgusted at him when he yes. pulled up. Yes. And uh, so he lets her know that he pulled her over because her muffler is loose. And we have a pretty cool visual of the camera pulling back of the bridge that they're on and then going down to the bottom. And then there's a homeless man right there underneath the bridge. And he keeps staring at this tunnel, like yeah. to the sewers. Yeah. Um, so now we get away from there and we meet a gang of kids, Terry and gang, a uh, whole bunch of other kids. I just Terry, called them the band kids. <laughs> yeah. I called them Terry and the gang for the majority <laughs> of the movie because I didn't know what all their other names were. Yeah. But they pull up to the gas station and they try and get Corey to buy them some beer because they didn't have their fake IDs on them. Uh, Billy had his taken away last time they tried to do it. Um, he says no thanks and goes to go back on his bike to ride back to work and they're like oh shit we recognize you you're that psycho babysitter killer right and they're making fun of him like crazy yeah. and they push him on the ground he falls and he cuts the shit out of his hand on some glass and at this point Lori uh, Schrode shows up and they start making fun of her too they're like oh it's a psycho and a freak show so uh, <laughs> Lori gets the kids to uh, or the kids go inside Lori goes up to Corey, hands him a knife to stab their tires. She's like, do you want to do it or you want me to? Yeah, so that was fun. He slices their tires. Um, and now we go to Allison at work. She's some type of nurse's assistant. And Lori pulled up to her work to bring Corey in for her to work on his hand. Yeah. But really to hook the two of them up together because she wanted to get her a dance dance partner for the night so that yes. way they could go to the party yes which is really cool Laurie is such an awesome character in this movie for 99 percent of it yeah uh, there's very few character flaws and this movie does a very good job at building characters um we're probably 40 minutes in until any type of actual murders or halloween style shit starts to happen and for a movie to hold off that much especially a third one in a trilogy where you don't have to yeah kudos they're really building up these characters allison Lori, and Corey. they do a good job with it too so uh cory accidentally kicks over the stuff at the doctor's office and the doctor just loses his shit at allison like it was her fault yeah. <laughs> uh and Corey's like comforting her saying you, you know that you don't need to take shit from him you can leave this job uh Allison, it's funny. she's like yeah my car's been rattling and within the second he diagnoses it to a loose clamp i know how does and he know? Literally, all that she says is, my car rattles. Oh, it's a loose clamp on your muffler. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was that good at picking car things. Yeah, I'm, I fix things for a living, and if I could fix things that quick, life would be good. <laughs> but 
anyway, uh, he does, and he tells her to, he doesn't have tools on him, but go into the shop and we'll fix it up for you. And while the two are talking, they're focusing in on this radio tower. So we're back to the DJ type of thing. You forgot where she tells him as she's picking glass to not get his hand infected. Yeah, she does. I, I didn't write it down because I didn't pick up on that till the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, that that I I was so confused by what was going on with his hand. Yeah, because he kept like touching we'll, it. We'll, we'll get there. Um. So from here, where am I? They focus on the radio tower. Uh, Allison tries to ha- hang out with him later that night, and he says that he doesn't want to. Um, so Lori and Lindsay and Allison are now all hanging out. Lindsay is the kid that was babysat in the original movie. She was in Kills as well, but this time she's doing tarot card readings with uh, Allison. Lori's character is starting to feel like herself, I put it. She's so awesome in these scenes. Yeah. She does so damn good. So now we go to Corey's mom. Corey's at his house. And I wrote, his mom is exactly like Eddie's mom from It. Like yes. Direct replica. Yes. Uh, there super are, protective, super nosy, wants to know everything. Where are you going? This movie has very big It vibes in so many scenes, specifically chapter two um, later on. But right now, chapter one vibes everywhere. Her, His mom is just fucking weird. And super overprotective, overbearing. Everything is the townspeople' fault that they ruined my baby. Yeah. Uh, where are you going? Where have you been? It's all that. Yeah. Uh, they're at the dinner table, and he's texting Allison. She's like, "Well, boys, who keep secrets from me don't get custard for dessert." <laughs> what the hell, motherfucker's twenty-one. <laughs> <laughs> So Allison shows up to the junkyard to have Corey uh, work on her car, but really she was only going there to hang out with Corey and uh, invite him to the dance and make sure that he goes with her. Uh, Terry shows up to the junkyard and his dad's just basically calling him a fucking idiot because the tire went flat and then he continued to drive the car around for like three hours. Now it's fucked up. Yeah. Um, Frank Hawkins and Lori are at the grocery store. He's now retired, so he's no longer Officer Hawkins. He's just Frank. And he seems to have recovered really well from everything that happened. Uh, He picked up a guitar from a pawn shop. He's doing that in his spare time to keep his mind off things. His daughter bought him uh, Rosetta Stone, so he's learning Japanese. And you can tell he has such a strong relationship with uh, Lori. He's trying to... uh, basically date her yeah he, he wants he to have really a relationship. cares about her you can tell that they've had a connection since all this happened he checks in on her they check in on each other there's a lot of history there yeah um uh, she doesn't seem interested in the relationship at this moment but she's very nice to him still um, so Lori mentions Allison and Corey are together and Hawkins are like, man, that's great. He's such a great kid who had a tough break. Yeah, I noticed so that. The, the good people in this town are realizing that there's a lot of good in Corey. Yeah. But the other people in the town, the majority of the town just looks at the what happened, not what he was before it happened. Um, so as Lori walks out, a lady asks, what'd you buy in the store? She's like, excuse me? And this lady, this lady is the uh, sister of the girl from Halloween Kills uh, who got a light bulb shoved in her throat and had to watch her husband get stabbed. She lived. She's right beside her. And 
uh, the lady's like, you know, this is all your fault. You let him escape. You drove this madman to your house with some delusion that he was completely invested in you. This is your neighbor, and I bet you don't even know her name. Yeah. Just serious, serious guilt vibes. This lady can't talk anymore because obviously her vocal cords were destroyed from the light bulb. You can tell that Laurie gets this very often in her town. Yeah. And she tries her best to kind of not let her bother. And up to this point, she didn't let things bother her, but this rattled her. It's very much the Corey situation. She feels connected to him because both of them are getting shit for something that essentially wasn't their fault. Yes. Uh, something very bad happened, and they had to be happened to be the center of it. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't drive it. Yeah. But they both feel it from the town, both of them. Yeah. So we get more radio station stuff again when Allison and Corey are driving to the party. Uh, once again, the DJ. Uh, Willie. W- Willie the Kid is his name. Yeah. He's talking more crap about Halloween and Michael Myers and this and that. And, um, and then they make it over to the party. She got him a costume. It's basically just a scarecrow mask. That's what his costume was. So Nick Castle makes an appearance here, and he is the flashing guy. So... Uh, Corey is at the party and some guy walks up to him and flashes his robe open and has a bunch of like fake organs and shit. That's Nick Castle. Okay. Uh, so Corey is very, very uptight when he's around other people and he's struggling to be in there, but eventually Allison gets him to open up and he starts dancing at the dance floor and having a good time. He goes over to the bar to get another beer, takes off his mask, uh, continues to dance, have a great time when he's at the bar though. Uh, Jeremy's mother is there and starts yelling at him saying, I see that you're having fun. You're having a good time. My kid's dead because of you. You're not allowed to have fun. You're not allowed to have a good time. This movie, it's doing so fucking good at character development. It's so It wasn't in an accident. It was evil. Like she just keeps hounding him, which as a parent that lost a child, I could totally see that being realistic. Like, you yeah. run into this person on the street because you're in the same town. Yeah, of and you're course. not allowed to have fun. Of course. I, I, I can't sleep. I can't sleep any night because my kid is dead, and it's I your mean, fault. I mean, you really felt that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's so damn good. So he leaves the bar. Allison's chasing after him, and he blames her. He's like, this is your fault. I wouldn't have been in this situation if you didn't make me come here. Leave me alone. Uh the character development's awesome. I know. So she does leave him alone. He walks home. And uh, from here, oh, she, he made a cool line too. He said that she's like, I understand you. And he's like, no, stop using me as a pet. I'm basically not here for you to fix somebody. And she's like, no, we've been through the same thing. He's like, no, the difference is people look at me like I'm a monster. And they look at you like you're a survivor. Yeah, I like Very that. cool line. I think it's important that they compared the two like that because it's true people look at her as surviving this huge um event and they see Corey as causing the event that's yeah. big yeah absolutely uh well no they don't look at Corey as causing they look at Corey as causing his event well that's what i meant Sorry. yeah 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 um yeah both of them were victims of tragic events but they're looked at completely differently from the town and it gets brought up again later in a very good way i appreciate how it happened even though i don't appreciate the character itself yes so from here Corey storms off and he's walking down the road to go home 
um, because obviously Allison gave him a ride and he doesn't want to be with her anymore. So as he's walking, Terry and the gang stop him. Um, and one cool thing that I noticed is as they're walking, they walk by a missing kid poster on the side of the road. Uh, it's a teenager, but it's a missing teenager. Once again, series it vibes, but uh, it on works the billboard, well for this. Right? It's That's on the billboard. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that too. I was trying to figure out if it had any correlation, like, Kind of, sort of, and I think that a following scene kind of references that. Yes. But once again, I'm seri- getting serious it vibes here. Yeah. Terry and the kids get out of the car, and it reminds me of the beginning of chapter two where the uh, people are beating up on the gay couple on the bridge. Well, they're beating up on Corey on the bridge, and then they, uh, they're they kicking his ass just because uh, they knew that he got the tire flat. And... Uh, Terry throws him off of the bridge. Like, and it looks like he died. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the end of Terry. But really, he's just knocked unconscious. Corey. Corey. Or, yes, the end of Corey. Corey. The yeah. end of Corey. Uh, they throw him off of the bridge, and you think that he's dead. But uh, they just are like, yep, I just saw him fall. I don't know what you're talking about. Let's leave. So yeah. then they leave him there. And it, the camera pans down. This is the same bridge for, that Allison got stopped at. They saw the homeless guy in the tunnel. And um, Corey had a pretty good line inside of the fight where he kind of stood up for himself a little bit. He's like, you know, Terry, uh, your father hates you. That must be why you're so pissed all the time. He's like, what did you say? He's like, oh, I know what the look in somebody's face is when they hate you because I get it all the time. And your father looks like he fucking hates you. Yeah, that was a good line. <laughs> it was pretty cool. It, and that wasn't word for word, but it was really neat how he said it. Yeah. So he he falls off the bridge, and as soon as they drive away, uh, his body starts getting dragged into the tunnel in the sewer, and the homeless guy sees it happen and basically ignores it. Did you see the knife that got thrown over the bridge is stuck in the ground? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so he, he, uh, Corey pulled a knife out on Terry when they were up there, Terry and the gang and, uh, Billy, I think is the kid's name, knocked it away with the drumstick and it fell on the ground. Yeah. So that will come into play later. Um, so we're about 37, 40 minutes into this movie and you're just now getting a hint at Myers. Yep. Yep. It's quite a bit into the movie, which I liked. Uh, and at this point, Corey, uh, gets drug into the sewer. The homeless guy ignores it. Allison is just slamming shit around her house. And Lori's like, Hey, it's all good in the hood, man. You can be, you can be (laughs) mad if you want. Uh, just know that this stuff, uh, it catches on. If you start letting your anger get the best of you like this, you're going to be living with it. Yeah. Obviously, she didn't say it's all good in the hood, but that that's the vibes <laughs> that I was getting from her. I She's she really did. trying to play the cool mom. And, yeah. Yeah, let that anger out, but just know that it's an infectious. You're, once again, infection. Yeah. Um. So from here, we were back to Corey. He wakes up in the sewer. There's rats all around him. He's trying to find a way out. And finds the exit to the tunnel, starts walking out, and then Myers grabs him from inside the tunnel. I'm like, fuck yes, here we go. We got Michael. Yep. We got Myers. And he's choking the shit out of him. And you look through the wall, and he's staring at him, and then it shows this really cool shot of him. And it focuses on his eye, and in his eye, you can see a reflection of Michael Myers. Yeah. And this is where this movie goes on a turn that... I hated... Like, what are you doing? This, Up until this, this point, is it was still, 
this is still a good movie, but this is not the trilogy that we're in. No. Like, what are you doing? This uh, is where so, it falls apart. Yeah, at this point, uh, we get flashes of both Michael Myers' upbringing and Corey's upbringing. So, like, it shows a flash of Michael as a kid, shows a flash of Corey at the house, and back and forth. And it's almost like a melding of the two people. And it was at this moment that I literally said in the theaters, are you fucking serious? Yeah. Because <laughs> Myers lets go of him and lets him walk out. Yeah. He gets out of the tunnel and the homeless guy is asking him. Uh, why did he the, let you live? The man that's in there, the man with the mask, why did he let you live? I see him take people in there. They don't come out. Yeah. So that that's where I'm thinking of for the billboard. Yeah. It didn't specifically mention the girl, but that's one of the missing people. People yes. still go missing in this town. Yeah. And he's like, the mask, go back in there. Get me the mask. That mask belongs to me. I'm Michael Myers. Give me the mask. And uh, he grabbed the knife out of the ground that Corey dropped and tries to stab him with it. But Corey turns it around and stabs the homeless man and then stabs him again and then stabs him again. So he goes straight home and goes into the bathroom and... In the mirror, he can see two different people. He sees himself, but then he also sees himself, like, smiling. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely, uh, at, at this point, I knew what was going on. Yeah. I didn't like it. I don't think you fully caught on yet to where this was going, but I've seen this in horror movies before, and I did not like where this was going. Yeah. So, uh, Lori is, uh, or, no, we're back at the hospital at this point. And Allison's friend just got the promotion that she was supposed to be getting. And then we're back to Lori writing her book and narrating how she wants to help people heal themselves. Suicide or cherry blossoms? Yeah. Cherry blossoms being a reference to uh, while Hawkins was talking about suicide being a reference to what the some of the people in the town are choosing to do. So she's basically saying, hey, you have two paths. You can either be the source of your resurrection or source of your destruction. Yep. Uh, once again, it's fine. I could do without it. I, I would prefer a movie where Lori did more than narrate. Yeah. Um, so we're back to Corey again. He shows up to talk with Allison and she looks like she doesn't want to hear his shit after the night before, after all the crap that he was saying. But Lori is very sympathetic to him um, until she looks in his eyes she looks in his eyes and just looks shook. Yeah. So Corey's telling Allison, um, they end up going for a walk, and then he's like, I killed someone. And then she holds his hand, and he ta he breaks into the old house where Jeremy died and basically tells her the story, I believe. And there's still a blood stain on the store where this kid took a face dive. Yeah. Oof brutal to see it yeah so Lori goes to meet Corey's mom and once again Eddie's mom 150% this is Eddie's mom she's blaming Lori for Corey's misfortunes the town looks at my son differently because your monster got away yeah. your monster this is your fault everything is everybody's fault except for mine or my son's my son is an angel right. your granddaughter is lucky to be with Corey I know <laughs> Like, man, this person's a piece of shit. And then yep. Lori just leaves. She's heard enough. Um, so Corey and Allison are now out to dinner, and he's asking her if she's going to stay and protect her grandma forever. 
And she mentioned that after everything happened, after her mom died, she just wanted to burn it all down to the ground, all of Haddonfield. She wanted to be done with it, burned to the ground. But she stayed because her grandma needed her. Uh, all of her memories are here. Uh, and at this point, Doug interrupts the cop. Doug interrupts the uh, conversation. This is where I wrote that he looks like he's at least 20 years older than her. <laughs> uh, he's hitting on Allison. And... Uh, she basically says, hey, I'm here with somebody. And he keeps going on and on about it. And eventually, Corey shoves him back and basically tells him to go fuck off. Yeah. Um, so he says, uh, burn it all down to the ground. Or uh, Allison. Allison says it. Yeah. She's like, fuck this. We need to leave. Burn it all down. Corey says, I'll light the match. I got a very, like, Joker, Harley Quinn vibe with mm-hmm. that. Yep. Uh, everything that they're doing is that type of atmosphere to where he's the catalyst of evil for her. He's trying to bring her from the path where she's healing to bring her to a yeah. path where she's being self-destructive. Hated it. So they go for a ride on the motorcycle. He drops her off at home. Uh, she gives him a smooch and asks him to come inside, but he says no. And he says no because he knows that Doug is following him. He doesn't let her know that, but we know that and he knows that. Doug is following him. He's in the car behind him. So he starts driving away and basically navigates Doug to the sewers. And then he runs away. Doug opens up a tent thinking that uh, Corey's in there, but it's the homeless man uh, with the knife still on him. And then Corey goes into the tunnel, leading him into the tunnel. So Doug's going in there saying, hey, I know that you killed that girl that was or the boy, that was no accident, I know who you are, and he turns around, and Corey is standing in the back, and it's such a fucking cool shot, he's got like this evil smile on him. But before that, you see Myers hiding. Before you see Corey, when Doug walks in, Myers is in the background watching Doug. Then the flashlight goes, then you see Corey. Yeah, it's a very small flash of him, and it's in the corner, so I didn't notice it yesterday, I did notice it today. Um, so Corey is standing there and then Myers jumps out of nowhere and starts attacking Doug. Corey is just yelling at him, show me how to do it. Show me how to do it. And Myers is visibly weakened. Like Doug is pushing him off and Myers isn't getting any damage done. So, uh, Corey has to jump in and, uh, hold him down. Uh, so that way Myers can kill him. Myers finally stabs him. And then Myers kind of shakes a little bit after he stabs him. And then it it almost looks like he got more energy. He got some of his power back because then he's able to stab him like eight more times. Yeah. So Corey goes to Allison and I I don't know what's happening to me. Um, When you saw Michael Myers, did he let you live or did you escape? And she eventually says, well, my mom saved me. Yeah. So he's wondering is does Michael choose people to live or die? Yeah. Is what he's thinking when he sees this. So Lori uh, sees the two go upstairs for the night and now she's very cautious of them. He spends the night. Uh you can see Michael Myers watching Lori too, and yeah. then he walks away. Um so from here Corey wakes up uh, presumably after a night of sex, they're both in bed together. Uh, takes his scarecrow mask and leaves. So uh, Allison's back at work, and her coworker Deb is basically making fun of Allison, saying, "Oh, man, you're 
uh, boyfriends with the freak show now. And the doctor, it was a pretty funny thing. He was talking about fantasy football collusion on the phone. And I'm a very big fantasy football fan, so it made me smile. He was talking about how somebody traded the second best wide receiver for a defense. He's like, that's collusion. You keep that shit up. I'm going to kick you out of my league, man. (laughs) And I was laughing my ass off during that scene. It, It worked so well. Yeah, but the doctor was doing that, and it was in the scene because he didn't give a shit about Allison. She was in there, and he just threw papers at her, said, take care of it, basically. But then Deb was in the other room, and he was all eyes, uh, all ears, and eyes. I was going to say probably all eyes, too. (laughs) Lori's talking with Lindsay together. They're at the bar, and she said to her, I saw Meyer's eyes and Corey. When I looked in his eyes, I saw Meyer's eyes, and Jeremy's dad was in the bar. Uh, and he said he didn't believe for a second that the kid who was mowing my lawns killed my kid. That didn't happen. It was an accident. But I tried to forgive him the other day. I stopped on the side of the road. I tried to be the bigger person that my wife can't be. And when I looked him in the eyes, he changed. And I'm not sure if that evil was in him before the accident or if Haddonfield brought that evil to him. I yeah. thought that was a pretty neat scene. That was a cool scene. So uh, we're flashing to uh, the doctor's basically mansion, and Deb walks in with him. So the coworker and the boss are fucking, and that's how she got the promotion instead of Allison. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he gets her some lingerie to wear and tells her to go take a shower. He's going to get the fire ready by the pool. Uh, she's getting ready to take a shower, and then she hears the doctor scream, goes out there to check if he's okay, and Corey is there. With his scarecrow mask on, uh, bag over the doctor's head with the doctor in his lap, and he's just going to town, stabbing the fuck out of him. And I said at this point, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was such a cool kill scene, but this is the first time that we saw not Michael Myers kill somebody. Yeah. And then- On purpose. Yep. Deb sees it happen. She runs back inside, locks him out, calls 911, but no worries. Michael Myers is inside. Myers chokes her. While Corey watches, and as he's choking her, he's checking on his hand. He's checking on this infection. Yeah. And I I was thinking maybe it was healing him, similar to how Myers was getting healed. Maybe that's what the connection was, but I still didn't quite get it. But every time that something like that happened, he would check the cut on his hand. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I didn't quite... uh, understand the connection it was at this point that the word infection started coming into my head and thinking maybe there's a connection there but i I didn't quite make it and i still didn't quite make that connection it it was trying to spell it out but maybe it'll come to me when i'm watching somebody's review and they understood it I, i just didn't yeah didn't make sense to me but either way uh this scene was it was weird does like, not fit this trilogy. Why Once does again, Myers need help? Yeah, it almost looked like it was uh, Batman and Robin going to town. Yeah. Except murderers. It's weird. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Uh, and Myers was, so he stabs her to the wall, and then he starts doing the head tilt thing, which I thought was pretty cool. He did the head tilt. I always like it when he does that. And uh, so we're back to Corey and Allison. Uh riding downtown together i was getting some serious lost boys vibes here you haven't seen that movie yet but once you do think about this and see if you get that connection as well really feels like it and they end up at the roof of the radio tower so i'm thinking okay we're finally gonna figure out 
what this radio means. And he says that he used to look up to the radio tower shortly after the accident. And he always thought that it was a beacon, a, a beacon asking him for to be happy again. Yeah. And Allison's like, yeah, I used to have something like that too. Then she grabs and, his hand and says to the scar. Is it infected? I know. It, which, and I was like, well, there goes my idea of maybe it's healing him. Because obviously she thinks that it's getting worse. I know. So maybe the evil is infecting him and every time that something happens it gets worse. I don't it, know. It, that is plausible. Um, but also dumb. Mm-hmm. So he jumps off the roof and she's like, oh my god, are you trying to kill yourself? And he landed on the edge of the floor below. So he knew that it was there. But he obviously hurt himself. And then he does it again. He jumps down again. So he's completely reckless at this point. He doesn't care. He, it almost looks like he lost his mind. Um, and then the radio uh, DJ, Willie the Kid, comes out and tells him that they need to get the fuck off his property. Uh, and basically, uh, knows who both of them are. They're both freaks. They both caused this, uh, this and that. Whatever. Uh, what the heck was the line where he's talking about Laurie Strode teased a man with brain damage? Yeah. What the fuck was that? Uh, it's going back to people blaming Lori. No, I basically, there's somebody from an insane asylum, and she uh, directed him to her house. Okay. okay, which makes sense because there was no connection between the two of them. Uh, it was all Zartan. Uh, so the brain damage means he's from a sanitarium. Okay. He was in a sanitarium for forty years, and she lured him to her house to make him do evil shit. Okay, instead of getting the cops to get him. So that once again, the town is blaming them. Allison looks at Corey and says, let's do it. I don't want to be in Haddonfield anymore. I want to be with you. Let's burn it down. <laughs> Lorius stalking them in the parking lot. So we're back to Corey's mom. He comes home and she says, I can still smell her on you. Get out of my house. And then she slaps him. And Ronald looks at him and he just whispers, I hope that you find love. Because you can tell he doesn't want to be in this relationship anymore. But it looks like he just doesn't know how to get out or how to stand up for himself. So he's almost proud of him for standing up for himself and choosing yeah. love. So Corey is waking up and so he left and then he obviously went to Jeremy's old house again where he died. And now it's Halloween. Yeah. Uh, Lori wakes him up by smacking her chair up against the wall and tells him there's two kinds of evil in this world. One is an external force and the other one lives inside of us like a sickness, like an infection. So once again, referring to the infection of the evil from Myers. And she says the second kind is more dangerous because we may not even know that we're infected. Um, and... He basically just asks her, do you think that I'm dangerous? And Lori just laughs and goes, we're both fucked up. I liked that. <laughs> it's true. They both have been through some shit. Yep. So Lori basically asks Corsi, Corey, you need to leave Allison alone. Um, he's like, there's no way in hell. You are to blame for this. You brought us together. You're not tearing us apart. If I can't have her, no one's going to have her. He got so obsessed with her so quickly. It did yep. not make sense. And, well, kind of, because he's completely broken. She's the one that fixed him. Uh, And he says to her, I'm the psycho, but you're the freak show. Uh, Corey wants Allison to leave by nine. He calls her while she's at work. He's like, we need to leave. We need to leave right now. She's like, I can't. I'm at work. He's like, well, Lori is trying to kill me. He kind of sounds broken over the 
phone. He sounds like he's visibly shook by that conversation with Lori. So Corey drives over to the tunnel, and this is the unforgivable. You cannot do this in any Halloween movie, regardless of what you are trying to do, period, scene. This is where the Halloween-ness of the franchise throughout the entire franchise gets screwed to hell and they say fuck it we don't care this scene is more embarrassing than in halloween five when they put the clown sounds on the cops absolutely um what happens is he walks into the tunnel and he starts pushing michael myers and says give me the mask you're just you're just a man with the halloween mask what are you gonna do about it he pushes him on the ground takes the mask off him and then just slowly crawls away. Michael gets up and then just walks back into his room. What the fuck? And I'm like, you just made Myers a punk bitch. I know. What What is this movie doing? I, I can see maybe if you want to go in the direction of bringing another person to be Michael Myers, but to make Michael Myers a bitch is completely unforgivable. The, it, it, that instantly knocked this movie down two bars for me. Yeah, because the whole time he's been shot, he's been beaten, he's been stabbed. Like, they thought he was dead a million different ways. And this kid that started having a bad life kind of knocks him around, steals his mask, and that's done. Yeah, it's unforgivable. It does not make sense, and it really pissed me off. Yeah. So now we're back at uh, Terry's, the, the gas station that Terry somewhat, I guess, always likes to go to. And Corey scratched Psycho into his car, and he waited for them to come out and see it, and then he drove away. So Allison gets home. She starts packing all of her shit, and once she gets into her room, uh, Lori Strode is there, and she's basically trying to talk her out of going. She says that she thinks that uh, Corey's capable of harm. I looked in his eyes. I saw Myers, and Allison's like, you see Myers in everybody's eyes. You need to get over this shit. You brought us together. Uh, you are the one that made my friends die. You are the one that made yeah. my parents die. They're dead because of you. I'm she leaving. She has a point. I mean, and she, she does. absolutely has a point. And yeah, her paranoia caused them to be in that situation. Right. So she has every right to be upset and thinking that Lori's just being super obsessive, super paranoid, not realizing that she actually has a point. Yep. So Corey con Terry and the gang to go into the junkyard. He did the same thing they did with Doug, the cop. He drove his little motorcycle nice and slow so that way they could follow him, goes into the junkyard and hides. Once they come in, he locks the gate behind him. And uh, they found his... Terry and the gang found his uh, motorcycles. They're like, hey, I got a fun idea. Get the chain. Let's tie this to the car. All right, Billy, back it up. No response. Billy, I said back it up. Back up the car. They go over there. Billy has a drumstick in his eye. And then this is where the chaos starts happening. Uh, Margo and Stacy get chased by a tow truck. Uh, Stacy gets to hop over the fence. Margo's a little bit slower, climbs the fence, just gets to the other side. The tow truck hits the fence and squishes her underneath it. But she's still alive, but she's visibly fucked up. Yeah. Um, so from here, uh, Corey gets out of the... Uh, tow truck and he's walking up to Stacy with a big ass wrench in his hand a pipe wrench and it's off scene but he 
beats the shit out of her with it and kills her. Uh, Terry runs into the building and finds Ronald in there. Uh, Ronald is working a night shift or just staying away from uh, Corey's mom, <laughs> one of the two. And he instantly gives Terry a gun and he gets a gun himself and says, okay, let's go take care of this. And uh, Terry accidentally shoots Ronald. He was trying to hit Corey, but he hit Ronald right in the fucking head instead. Yeah. And it's at this point that uh, Corey throws the Michael Myers mask on. He knocks... Terry goes over to... It was a funny scene, almost, like, until the brutality happened. He walked over to uh, Margo, who was trapped under the uh, fence, and she's like, where's Stacy? Where's Stacy? She's dead. You're gonna be, too. I know. It's such a <laughs> dumb line. It's a very stupid line. And then uh, Corey, and at this point, I almost wrote Michael Myers, but then had to scratch out and wrote, it's not fucking Michael Myers, because <laughs> he had the mask on. Corey... Pulls him over, shoves him on the ground, gets his uh, welding torch, and welds his face off. It was such an awesome kill. It was. The, I, I love the kill. I just hated it wasn't Myers. Yeah. And how they almost played off like it is. But yeah. But you know that it's not. And I think then, that's what's so frustrating. It's like, I get that they're trying to do this new story, <coughs> but they're trying to play it off as it's Michael. Yeah. So he, uh, Corey then hops in the car, very unceremoniously stomps on uh, Margot's head, squishing it a little bit before hopping in the truck and then drives the truck tires over Margot's face. Ugh. And this is where I really, really noticed the sound differences in IMAX. You heard every bit of that. It sounded very much like the kills in Rob Zombie's Halloween too. Yeah. Whereas this sounded like nothing. Yeah. You didn't even hear it. Yeah. Um, it almost seemed like they censored it a little bit. Uh, it felt like I saw more yesterday. I could completely be thinking that maybe it's only the sound that's making me think that, but it feels toned down compared to what we saw in theaters. Yeah. So I could be wrong. Either way, we're back at the radio station. Willie the Kid is talking uh, to people about Michael Myers. They're calling Willie a monster, and uh, he just kind of ignores him. He's like, yeah, well... I just play music <laughs> and then mm -hmm. he puts a song on, puts his headphones out. He's jamming out to some noise canceling headphones and, uh, not Myers, but uh, <laughs> Corey, <laughs> Corey comes in and he kills the receptionist in the background with his knife. And then he goes into the room and he smashes the fuck out of, uh, the DJ's face, Willie, the kid into the, uh, DJ table. And you can hear the, song scratching as he's doing it and then he takes some pliers and cuts terry's tongue out and puts it on the record so that way as you're hearing the song you'll hear it here 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 and it was that was a pretty neat scene yeah because the tongue kept like jumping as the record was playing is a pretty yeah. cool scene so it goes over to allison who's listening to the radio station in the car and she's hearing the static of the tongue hitting on yeah. the record so she thinks that it's her car and turns it off which was pretty neat yeah she's over at the restaurant contemplating whether or not she wants to actually go through with this and Lori tries calling her she sends it to voicemail and decides fuck that i'm doing this she goes over to his house he's not answering it pans inside the house and shows his mom dead uh so Corey killed his mom and uh Lori leaves a voicemail to her apologizing to allison and wants her to come home 
Allison is shooting texts in the meantime to Corey saying, hey, I'm at your house to leave. Where are you? Um, so Lori goes to her office. She lights up her pumpkins. She grabs her gun out of the safe and calls the cops and tells them that she'd like to report a suicide and gives them her address. I screamed and said, if this how it is, if if this is how it ends, I'm going to be pissed. So I very much saw this as a similar to Karen in Halloween 2018, the gotcha scene. Yeah. I, I knew that it wasn't going to happen. It focused on the pumpkin too much. Like, why would she have a pumpkin in her office? And well, she shoots and she could hear footsteps in the background. Um, so she thought Myers was inside the house and wanted to kill herself before Michael came in. And uh, so she shoots and then Corey, wearing the mask, opens the door slowly and uh, Lori's standing there with a the gun said, you didn't think I'd actually shoot myself, did you? And then shoots him twice. He falls down the stairs. He's gasping for breath and takes the mask off. So visible, visible differences between him and Myers. Myers would never take that mask off, whereas the first time that he gets resistance, he takes it off. Yeah. Um, once again, this guy's a punk bitch compared to Michael Myers. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I tried so hard. Oh, Lori says to him, I've tried so hard to find compassion and to show mercy to you. She makes sure the gun is empty. She shoots at the wall and then throws it on the ground. And she said, you came here to kill me, so do it. Allison, at this point, drives up. He turns around, sees that Allison drove up. He laughs and he, said... He could hear because of the muffler. It was never yeah. fixed. Yeah. I didn't catch on to that yesterday, but I did today. That he caught on that it wasn't the police coming yeah, after the was suicide. Her. It was the Allison's car c- yeah. coming up. So he hears that and laughs and he says, if I can't have her. And then he stabs himself in the neck. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, what are you doing? She grabs the knife, pulls it out, and then Allison opens the door. So it looks like Lori just killed Corey because uh, she didn't want to lose Allison. Yeah. So Allison is crying so over the body. So it's very similar to how... The parents walked into Jeremy. Yeah. Very similar. Yep, absolutely. You walk in at just the right, wrong moment. Uh, Allison's crying over his body, blaming Lori, and then she leaves. Lori goes over to the kitchen, and Michael Myers himself walks into the house, grabs the mask off of the floor, and you can see it kind of happening in the background. At this point, Lori knows that it's happening because she saw the window open. Um, and now this, we... Go ahead. We get a phone. Allison gets a phone call from uh, Frank Hawkins saying that Lori called in a suicide. Do you know where she is? And I said, I'm so excited. It's about to go down. I'm all hyped up, looking so forward to this fight scene. I can't wait. So, right, one hour and 34 minutes into this movie, one hour and 34 minutes in, we finally get Michael Myers and Lori Strode in the same room. She sets the microwave to explode, similar to how it did in the beginning of the movie, and then runs away into a different room. Michael turns towards it and then realizes it's just the microwave, turns around, starts walking towards Lori. Pop. Whatever was in the microwave exploded. Michael turns around. Lori attacks him with a fire extinguisher. They scuffle around for a little bit, and there's a point where uh, Michael puts Lori's hand inside of the garbage disposal in the sink, but... She gets it out in time to only get her hand nicked um, because she headbutts him. She then goes to grab a crochet needle and stab Michael with it, similar to the first one, but he reverses it, stabs her in the neck with it. 
This is a very good fight scene. Yeah. She attempts to pull the mask off, uh, and then she stabs one hand to the table. So he's kind of pinned to the table. She then grabs a knife and stabs him in the chest, pulls it out, and he gets up, but she takes the knife and stabs the other hand to the table and knocks the fridge down on him. Uh, she stabs him in the armpit, twists the knife, pulls it out. So he's bleeding very heavily now. Yes. She completely pulls the mask off and slits his throat and says, you're just a man, and you're about to be just a man who's going to stop breathing. Yeah. Uh, I used to call you the boogeyman, basically. Uh, he rips his hand out of the knife, oh. like super violently, straight back, so oh. that way it slits his hand oh. and grabs her by the throat. And starts choking her. And she's like, do it. Do it. And we got flashes of all the old movies of them fighting each other. And Allison snaps his fucking arm in two. If and then, he would have just done it right then and there, would have been fine with that scene. I, I'm still fine how it happened. Uh, so she snaps his arm and Lori sl- slits his wrist. One hour and 38 minutes. It was less than a four minute battle between the two of them. Four minutes of them being in the same room together. That is what pissed me off so much about this fight. The fight was fine. I'm yes, fine the with the outcome fine. of the fight. Uh, I'm fine with Lori winning and Michael dying. That's fine as well. I'd prefer Lori to die uh, because then it would be an ultimate closure to it if Allison was the sole survivor. But I'm fine with what ended up happening. What but I'm not fine build- with is that this movie is built up as an hour 50 battle between Lori and Michael, and they're only in the room together for four minutes in the whole movie. Yeah. Ridiculous. Come on. Absolutely ridiculous. So at this point, we start getting the closeout stuff. Hawkins enters the house and sees the destruction. Lori and Allison are both standing over Myers' corpse, and then they tie Myers to the roof of the cop car. <laughs> And no, some it was Allison's or to, car. to her car, yep. And one cop says, That's not how we do it. And Sheriff Brackett pops out of his car and says, Today it is. It's such an odd scene. You're gonna tie the guy to the top of a roof of a car, parade it through the neighborhood. Yeah. It makes no sense. I, I get what they're going for with this scene. I, I really get it. They're do. trying to have closure. And for Sheriff the Brackett is the guy in the last movie who was saying, we're not doing this mob mentality. That's not how the law works. And obviously his way didn't work. So yeah. now he's accepting the way that they need to do it in the town to put people at ease. They're trying to put the town at ease and have just... the town stop being self-destructive. But it's such a weird scene. So it's weird. such a stupid concept. Yeah. And so they're parading him around the town and the whole town gathers into this car parade. Like, if I saw a car drive by in the middle of the night randomly, I would never body? think, let me hop in my car and follow him. You, yeah. you don't even see the body. It's no. night. How are you going to see the body? Unless if they have a spotlight and they're going a mile an hour and they have a sheriff on a loud horn saying, come see the body well, of Michael. That's what I mean. There was like 50 you don't see cars it. lined up. How would there you There were know? so many. And there's no warning of cars to join this caravan of cars. And then they all meet down at the junkyard. You see tons and tons and tons of people here at this junkyard. The lady who got stabbed is the first one who rolls out. You see Julian from 2018 There was a firefighter. Out. You see one of the firefighters roll out. So people from each of the movies that were affected by this are there, as well as the whole town. There's a ton of people at this junkyard. And the people of Haddonfield take the body of Myers off of the car and almost like taking Jesus off the cross, they bring it up to the junkyard scraper where Lori is standing there. 
and she throws the body into the scraper after Allison hits the breaker to turn it on, and it's graphically showing the body just being torn to shreds. Yeah. It's quick, but it's very graphic. Um, and Lori says there will be no tombstone, there will be no memorial, and the stories will fade over time. You are dead to us, Michael. You are dead. It is over. Allison says, uh, is talking to Lori after everything's all said and done, saying you were completely right about Corey. He killed those people. This isn't on you. Um, Lori did say evil doesn't die. It changes shape. Yeah. That's a pretty cool saying. I thought that was a great saying, and it made me think maybe this is going to, like, open up a different door for the franchise. Yeah. You know, I could see that happening, but that line was super important to me when she said it. Yeah. So uh, the next scene is it's morning. Uh, Lori goes outside because her doorbell rung and Hawkins dropped off some veggies for her because they had an inside joke when they were at the grocery store about Hawkins needed to eat more veggies. And he says, hey, this is a thank you for everything that you did. And she asks Hawkins about that Japan trip to go check out the cherry blossoms. So it's a very cool way for both of them to end their story as well, possibly getting back together. Um, They both sit down on the porch and they're smiling as kids go by, basically on bikes, showing that the town is recovering already. They're yeah. kind of getting over this. And then it zooms into Lori's house, and we're going from room to room to room. And then we see Michael's mask on the table in the living room. Credits roll. Yeah. So, Halloween ends is over. There is some really good stuff in this movie. Yeah. There really is. Uh, the scenes of... Uh, story building uh character character building building was great it was phenomenal and it didn't take a turn until uh cory entered that tunnel about 40 minutes in give or take yeah um and then even most of that could if this was not part of this trilogy i've said that before would have been fine i would have been completely okay with it you take the last 10 minutes out of this movie you make that a separate movie. If this was Halloween uh, after kills and it just wasn't Laurie Strode, it was somebody else, and then this is how it went down, this would be a fine Halloween 3 style movie. Yeah. I just think they broke the cardinal rule of making Myers give up his mask to some kind of quote-unquote unknown character for not like a, a good reason. He, it's not like Myers handed it over. Where that scene was broken is how weak it made Myers look. Well, that's what I mean. Like, And I understand that Myers was broken from the last film and he hasn't quite regained his power yet. Uh, but he was strong enough to do the murders that he did up to that point. And therefore, I think that he would be strong enough to fight Corey off. So um, what do you think the infection theme was? The infection was the evil inside of him spreading. Michael implanted evil in him when he did that stare. He transferred evil to him to make him evil. But why? And the more he killed, the more evil he became. You can tell he was fighting it at the beginning. Because it's a movie and they thought it would be a fun idea. And it just didn't work. Yeah, it didn't but it, w- it would have worked if it was not part of this trilogy, I think. If yeah. I, I really do believe that if this wasn't a different way, if you did not build this movie up for... A year and a half now saying this movie is going to be Lori versus, versus Michael 
and that's all that you built this movie up for. And it was not in this trilogy. This was just Halloween 14, uh, the curse of Corey. Yeah. I'd be fine with it. Everything except for the mask wrestling scene. Yeah. And obviously the ending would have to be different. Ending would have to be more of a uh, face-off between Corey and Michael. Yeah. And the cops and whoever your group of babysitters is or whatever. But if that was a separate movie, this might be a seven. This might be an eight. This could be up there with some of the better ones because it was done so well. But the huge, huge missteps of being in this trilogy, building it up like this is going to be the final battle, and to only give me four minutes of Laurie Strode's Jamie Lee Curtis's last time ever being in this franchise, four fucking minutes of fighting? Are yeah. you kidding me? That's there's that's the only confrontation between the two. That what it should have been was. Uh, Lori fights Michael at the very beginning. She has the upper hand because he's weak. Michael fights her towards the middle of the film. He has the upper hand because he's now getting stronger. And then they fight again at the end and yes. both of them die. Yes. That would have been so fucking awesome. WWE style matches. That's all that we need. One yeah. person's winning, winning, winning. The other person gets the upper hand in a double disqualification. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's such a simple concept. I don't know how they screwed that up. But they did. They sure did. Um, and it killed the movie for me. Like I said, I yesterday walking out of the theater... I gave this a, probably a two, maybe a three. Yeah. Um, today it's a four, maybe a five. I, I still can't make my mind up. I'm probably leaning towards four. Um, I'm just hoping that somebody else can figure out maybe some of these clues that are in there. And maybe when I watch it again, it, I'm going to... There's going to be a director's cut to this movie where they explain that stuff. So when it comes out on DVD, all those answers will be there. The just, director, David Gordon uh, Green, will talk about it and explain the infection idea um and there are people that have their ideas with it i'm not too wrapped up about it it was an idea that kind of worked kind of didn't for me i don't care about the deeper meaning i just care about the big missteps that happened yeah my thing is is for this whole franchise it's been copy and paste and they literally did the complete opposite of what they should have done yeah and as a fan of the franchise that pisses me off because there's certain things in a Halloween movie that you expect. Don't make Michaels be a pussy. Don't let somebody get his mask and just disrespect it. Yeah. Those are two things. How hard is it to not do? Yeah, it was it was big missteps, I think. Uh, I don't know why they thought that this was the correct path to take for it. I mean, I know that they were in Writing Nightmare. This The ending has been changed for this multiple times. They've refilmed things. So I'm excited to see an alternate ending for it. I'm excited to see some different takes, maybe a director's take for it. Maybe the studio took uh, too much control over this. And they don't talk about that stuff at the beginning because they want you to go see the movie. But once it's more well-known, they're going to break that stuff down more. Hey, the studio was a nightmare to work with. They made us change the script to X, Y, Z. Here's the director's cut. That so there will be more that comes out about why this movie is what it is, but what it is is not what I wanted. Yes, and that's what it boils down to. Now, this movie I think is going to be very similar to Halloween Three. It's going to be where, very decisive. Not even decisive. This is going to be a movie that everybody shits on at the beginning, but then people give it. 
more credit as time rolls on. I can see this being something that I watch more frequently than other movies. I have to laugh because before we saw this movie, you said one thing (laughs) that would piss me off the most about this movie is if they didn't tell the fans and they made it a two-part movie, like a to-be-continued. Yeah, similar to it. And you said that to me and you're like, that would be the thing that would piss me off the most. Then we left the theater and you said... I was wrong. This is what pisses me off the most. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They they threw, uh, I mean, hey, all the credit in the world to this writing crew for trying to try something different. Well, and I they kept it a them, surprise. I give them that. Well, no, they didn't. There are a lot of people saying that there was plot stuff like this out there. Oh. But people like me refused to look for okay. it. I didn't want to know. Uh similar to many other movies that come out they spoil the shit out of it before it gets released little details like hey did you know this guy dies shit there goes the end of that movie pet cemetery remake is a perfect example of that um so in that movie they kill the sister instead of gage it's not baby gage that dies it's the little girl and huge credit to them that's a huge change that they made it's a reason to give a reboot, but they made that part of the advertising campaign. Why are you going to make such a big change and then tell us about it before the yeah. movie comes out? That should have been something that shocked us, and we saw in the movie theaters and said, holy shit, can you the, believe that they did that? The biggest shock of this movie was that opening scene, and I don't think a movie surprised the hell out of me the way that Jeremy's death happened. Hereditary. No, I got, okay. <laughs> I wasn't going to say. There are it. movies that do it better, but it was done very well. But it was done so well that you had such great, like, ammunition for this movie, and it just fell flat. It pisses me It built me up off. the Corey character so well. They built Corey up so great, and then they, and he, he did they fine. made plot like, decisions that made his character die, not because he didn't act well. No. Even when those plot decisions happened, he's, he, he had a very great. Norman Bates-like yes. look to his face to where you he didn't even need to talk and you could feel his emotions. He did great, but the plot choices that they gave him brought yes. it down. I feel like we're retreading the same things at this point, so I'm going to call it from here. Uh, this is the Horror's Edge podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Uh, we're going to be doing weekly episodes from here, and uh, we'll see what the next one's going to be. But until next time, I'm Phil. And I'm Stacy. Thanks for joining. <laughs>